Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just, I want to start sincerely. Thank you. Uh, thank you for letting me be your pastor. That's, it's an honor. Uh, also, it was a big move, and if you wouldn't have let me, it would have been super weird. So, <laughs> so thank you. But honestly, uh, we are humbled and uh, so encouraged even to go this chapter with uh, uh, Pastor Mike Golay and, and his ministry over the last 17, 18 years. Uh, thank you, brother. Thanks for, it's, this has just been a sweet time and a sweet transition. And, and to be able to work with Pastor Matt and the staff and the trustees and the elders and, and the search committee, they represented you all very well. I want you to know that. I was uh, so encouraged at how well they communicate with one another and the consistency of, of the message was just it was beautiful and wonderful and I'm amazed and honored, and I look forward to see what God does in these days. So, having said that, if you would join me as we pray, and I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe is a little different, and if you're uncomfortable with it, it's fine, you don't have to do it, no one is going to judge you or or anything, but if you would be willing to do this, I would ask you to. And that is, while I pray, if you would just put your hands out like this, and this is why. What, what I'm doing is I'm saying, Lord, whatever you want to give me, I'll receive. And whatever you want to take from me, you can have. So that's the symbolic gesture of putting your palms up like that, if you would be willing to join me as we pray. Jesus, we love you. And with our hands extended to you, we ask that you would take from us anything that you want to take, And Lord, we also will receive anything that you want to give, not for our sake, but for your glory. We ask, Almighty God, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand as we engage in your word. And as we engage in your word, Lord, we ask for strength, we ask for guidance, and we ask for love, and that that love would not just be uh, experienced but, Lord, that we would also be able to give it. So be exalted here today. With these palms lifted up, we offer to you this, and we receive from you whatever you have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to deal with some kind of uh, house issues because sometimes people ask me these questions, and so I want to be just up front and frank, and that is this, I believe, I mean, if, if you want kids to be in the children's program, praise God, that is okay. If you want your kids to be in here, that is okay. And if you say, well, my kid is a little noisy, it's why God invented microphones. So it's okay. I've had, thank you. I had seven kids, and I remember every time one of them would get a little squirmy and stuff, my wife was like, what should I do? And, and, you know, there was, there was a little bit of weird feeling, and people were super gracious, but we felt like everyone was looking. This is a place of grace, right? Amen. We're okay with that? Yeah. We can live with that? Yeah. Okay, God bless you. Well, let's jump in. Here's, here's the deal. Speak life. That is the phrase that we've kind of grab, gravitated toward, and this idea of speaking life really needs some context built around it, because we could just say, speak life, amen, have a great day, let's go out and watch the game here in just a little bit. Like, well, we could end that way, but we're not going to. So what, we, what I want to do is build some context, and here is the context. 
The context starts with the word history. Oftentimes we qualify history. We say things like American history. We might even say family history. We might even say world history. And that's kind of a bizarre one. Like, Why would we qualify history with the word world? Except for we're talking about aspects. So where does history come from? And we could dig into the etymological roots of all of it and, and look at the Greek and how that comes from knowledge from inquiry. And then we could go into the Latin and the evolution of Latin into Old French and Old Irish and Old Welsh and Old English and how it lands on us today. We could do that. We could also look at the impact of the 70s. The 70s, there was a phrase that kind of, I know someone just laughed. They're like, I remember the 70s. Kinda. Um, so I, I understand that. The, the issue, though, in the 70s, they started to play with the word. And they said, his story, history, his story, but wait until you hear my story, right? I mean, it was kind of a phrase that was dealt with uh, in the 70s. I like the idea of playing with the word, but uh, I want to look at it from a little different perspective because I think history is his story. And I think his story is God's story. And oftentimes we get caught up in telling our story. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with it, okay? So I want to make sure we understand that. There's nothing necessarily wrong with telling our story. But it's his story that matters. We interact with his story like this much on this side of eternity. But it's his story that matters. And his story starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. It's his story, and his story begins with creation and being the creator and loving. And in, this, in the midst of loving, he gives some answers. And in these answers, he, he calms the chaos. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But in this place of calming this chaos, he continues to create. And there, there are plants and animals. And ultimately, humans come on to this world stage. And these humans are created in his image. And he loves them. And they coexist. God and people. Adam and Eve walk with God. And it's a beautiful story until it's not. And it's in that place where Adam and Eve look at God and they're like, it's not enough to be with God. I want to be like God. And they, they create this new thing called sin. And sin separates them from God. And God, in his story, is doing everything from that moment on to bring back this paradise relationship. Not just with people, but ultimately fulfilled in a new heaven and a new earth. It's his story. And it's a beautiful story. But this sin that crept in is big and damaged. It didn't just, it didn't just damage a relationship that uh, Adam and Eve had with God. It damaged earth. Right? We're separate now. Earth is not heaven. Heaven is not earth. We are, we are not paradise right here. But God walks into history the way that we understand history. He walks into time. And he comes in the form of Jesus, the Christ, and Jesus starts to give life in this place. These little little pockets of life he extends. Now, I want to pause here and identify the other side of it. Because on on this one side, history is about God, it's not about us. That's the point. 
On the other side of this conversation, this context that we're building, is that there is this place called hell. It's real. It's separate. It's separated and ultimately will be separated, but it's also current in this respect. Uh, It's in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, the brother of Jesus, he makes this comment. And he makes the comment that about the tongue. And he says, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Meaning that it's present tense. We can experience hell here on earth. Hell can happen. But it's God's plan. It's God's idea. It's God's work to get hell out of here. He, he wants to get the hell out. And I don't mean that in a flippant, like I'm not just being cutesy. That's real. Like, he, that is what he wants to do. If there is hell in his creation, he wants to get it out. But it's not just in his creation, it's also in us. We've received that. We've lived that. We've been that. On the one hand, we praise God. On, on the other hand, we curse our brothers and sisters who are created in his image. And God wants to get that out. And it's, it's this amazing story. C.S. Lewis, he said it this way. He said, hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. Let that, let that just kind of soak in for a moment. Hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. Meaning that God, with all of his love, all of his mercy, is still love, loving and merciful. He does, he's not going to force himself on anyone. It's our choice. What will it be? Will I choose to follow God or will I not follow God? If I choose to not follow God, then ultimately I am choosing a separation from God. That separation is this monument called hell. It's experienced in part on this side, but it's experienced totally and completely on the other side. In fact, at the end of this book, the Bible, we see that hell is placed outside of this new heaven and new earth. It's, it's, it's separate. God doesn't want it to be a part of anything. But if you choose it, he's a gentleman and he's not going to force you. But his story is to redeem mankind. And so we come to this place with our words. I really, uh, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of an interesting slash weird direction to go. If we want to see... uh, hell gone, why are we talking about words? Why are we talking about words of life? So let's continue to build this message and we're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and get that out. I, I love to underline and highlight my Bible. I like to write little notes off to the side. It's really bad to mark stuff out. Don't ever do that. That is not okay. Underline, highlight, perfect. Okay. So let's look at this. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't that interesting that speaking is a part of this whole uh, idea connected to the righteousness of God? Ultimately, Christ is our righteousness, right? But there are actions and behaviors that flow from the spirit, the indwelling spirit. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm talking about spiritual transformation. Uh, Our attitudes, actions will change and and be transformed. 
James chapter 1, verse 26 says, if anyone thinks he is religious, and let me pause there because sometimes in our culture especially we said, well, I'm not religious, I have a relationship, and I appreciate the sentiment, I understand the sentiment, I don't even necessarily disagree, but in the context of the scriptures, when they say uh, religious in this, like, it's assumed that there's a relationship there. It's living a godly life for, uh, for Christ's sake. Okay, So if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And Jesus said it this way, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what goes on in there? What goes on in there? How does this idea of our words affect us? I love the video, the bumper, just before uh, Dave came up and, and spoke. The bumper said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, that's not true. And if you don't believe me, I want to encourage you to think of your childhood. And I'll bet you don't have to think really hard to think of that one moment where someone spoke something into your heart that crushed your spirit and you have constantly gone back to that place your whole life. I'll bet in this room, everyone has one of those stories. It's a reality. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words really hurt and can transform and so let's talk about that. It's really important that, that uh, you know, it, things make sense, right? But what is more important is what does the Word of God have to say? And let's, let's see how that makes sense. And if our examples are, are, are going to be of people, we're wasting our time. Like, God is our example. We see it lived out in other people's lives, but God is our example. So let's look at God. How does God deal with words? Well, we're going to take a look at two, two words, from one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. It's a really cool word. Uh, devar, it means like uh, order is how it's often used. It also means to, to speak or a word. It's a really cool word, the way that it's used. And I want you to think about, like, my words, devar, is, is like this, um, uh, this order that makes sense. And, as we've already stated, it can have the power of life or it can have the power of death. It's an order of things. The, the Hebrew word for wilderness is connected to this in root, uh, is connected to this word. So it's kind of cool. A wilderness means order, or at least has root, it's rooted in order. So you think about nature. You know, I have this conversation with people all the time. When I want to connect with God, I go out to nature. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, I just need alone time. I go out to nature. That's what I do. That, that's, that's a good thing. Nature is order. It's juxtaposed to city that's chaos and crazy. And things are happening. It's like, I don't even know why that's happening. And it doesn't make sense. Uh, as opposed to the wilderness that is nature and there's order and things grow in season. And it makes sense. It's order. The word uh, devar also is translated to mean thing. I like that. It's a, a thing. What does, why does that matter? It matters because it connects the term word with thing, substance. Our words are substantial. They have weight. They have power. They're a thing. It's not just an abstract idea. Words are a thing. They're substantial. And? We can choose life 
or we can choose death. What will it be? So in the New Testament, there's uh, a term, lagos. Uh, I, like the, I like this term. There, there are several words that we could use and, and kind of play with a little bit, but this is one I think that has maybe the most impact. Uh, it means reason. Heraclitus used it about 600 years before Christ to mean uh, divine reason. He connected it to the, the divine spark that started creation. He wasn't a believer. He wasn't, he wasn't Jewish. He didn't have any connection with our Bible. That was just how he reasoned things. Uh, a little bit later, Philo in Alexandria, Egypt, he connects the Jewish God with this concept of Lagos, this divine reason. And of course, in the New Testament, John connects Jesus specifically with it. Jesus is that Lagos. He is that divine reason. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. So keep this in mind as we look at what are words. Let's see how God deals with words. The first thing that God does, we see in Scripture, is verbal. God verbalizes. He, he proclaims it. He speaks it. He could have just thought stuff, but he chose to speak it. So, in, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God's response to that is here in verse 3. Let there be light. And there was light. I like the way that it, it comes across in Hebrew, and I, I'll, I'll see if I, can, if I can encapsulate it. It would be like this. God states, exists light, light exists. <laughs> it's not as passive as in English. Let there be light, exist, and it does. Uh, that's good. That's God. But why would he do that? Why would God speak, let there be light? Well, the first thing that we see is it answers a question. There's this chaos going on in the world. And God, in his wisdom, in his knowledge, in his love, he knows how to answer that chaos, and he does it with light. Does anyone... So, I shouldn't admit this, but hey, we're close, so I'll just go ahead and do it. Um, <laughs> Here's the deal. Sometimes when it is really dark outside, I get the heebie-jeebies. You know what I mean? Like I have to go outside. I'm not, I don't think anything is going to get me. Like I know nothing is there. There's no boogeyman out there. I know I'm okay. That's, like I live in Jordan. It's, it's fine. But, but there's something in the back of my head that's like, are you sure? <laughs> Maybe not. You've never lived here before. You know, there could be something. And it just kind of, why is that there? Because it's dark. Dark has this way of like putting this chaos in our heart. I don't know why it's there. I don't know why that I even think those thoughts, but I do. God says, yep, I know. And I got an answer and it's light. There it is. Exists light, light exists. He does that. He gives order. He lovingly answers a question. That's how he uses his words. So, how do we use our words? Will we lovingly answer questions? Will we chase away fear with light, with love? How do we use our words? I remember that um, one of, uh, many years ago, I was uh, a youth pastor in this rancher, and his wife came in, and I was like, immediately, I'm over my head. And... Um, 
they come in to talk to me and they say, oh, we're having problems in our marriage. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the problem? And she just says this. She goes, he has never told me he loved me. And he goes, that's not true. When we got married, I looked at you and I said, I love you. And if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> and he meant it. That was like, that's what he thought. Yeah, we have this ability with our words to extend love, to extend life with our words. God does it. He models it. And he wants us to follow in suit. I believe he wants us. I believe that's a part of Jesus coming in, this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God, the reign of God on earth. Even now, there are these pockets that we get to experience where Jesus has touched and cleansed for us, and we walk in those places as his bride, and it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And we have this ability, like Christ, to, to bring this life into this place of death. How cool is that? And we can do it with our words. Like, that's not even hard. We just have to choose our words. And I don't know about you, but I've been on social media and I'm like, dear Lord, what is happening? Like the church looks ridiculous. And I don't mean friendship church. I'm not talking about you specifically, but if it applies, let it sink in. And this is what I mean by that, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are just saying awful things and where they have the opportunity to extend life, they're extending death. And it's like, I know that's not God's plan. We can do better. And God shows us a better way. But it's not just verbal. It's also written. I love this. You know, there, there are these uh, Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And uh, these, these ten words that God writes down on a tablet. And, uh, and I know I was talking to somebody and they're like, well, actually there are these 613 commandments and, and, and uh, they're, they're in the Old Testament and, and, and that's what, we're, okay, that's fine. But it's like God says, yep, uh, but these 10, let me put them down because everything kind of relates to these and I want you to see them. I want you to experience them. I want you to know that it's there when this moment is gone after I've told you with my words, when this moment is gone, I want you to know that they're there. It's, it's a great thing. Um, does, has anyone ever uh, learned the Ten Commandments with like these funny hand signs? Anybody ever done that? I, I, I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach them to you real quick, okay? So, so help me out. Uh, we'll, we'll start, okay, there is one God. Make sense? Okay, let me see your fingers. Help me out. Work with me, people. I can't see your faces very well, so this is good. Okay, so there's one God, okay? Ew. Don't have any idols. This is bowing down. That's what this is. If you didn't know, that's bowing down, okay? Don't do that. Okay, three. Looks like a W, doesn't it? Words, okay? We will not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Right? Words. Three. Four. This is like, kind of like this. Stop. Okay? So do this. Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Four. Five. Honor your father or mother. You can do like this. Or else. Yeah, I'll help you. Or else. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So, or else. Okay. Six. Do not murder. Okay? Do not murder. It's bad. Seven. Get this one. Do not commit adultery. In a marriage, there are two people, not five. Two, not five. Don't commit adultery. Okay? We're going to go to eight. Eight is this way, though. Eight is this way. Because in some cultures, if you steal, you lose a digit. Okay? So, eight. 
Do not steal. Nine. Nine is like this. Don't lie. Four is not five. Five is not four. Do not lie. And ten, don't covet. Do not covet. These are given to us for the sake of life. Yeah, that's a, right? You guys are going to go over that all the time. Like, what was three again? Four? Oh, yeah, I don't want to lose digits. You'll get it. Um, so God, God wants, writes this stuff down to encourage, to extend life to his bride. Uh, 21 years ago, I started this box. In this box is filled with letters, handwritten notes that just say basically this, you're not stupid, keep doing it. (laughs) That's what it says. They go deep into my soul, and I'll tell you, there have been times when I've had to go back to this box over and over and just pull out a note that someone sent that wasn't just a surface, you know, don't be stupid kind of thing, but like, Kenny, I see God at work in your life, and this is what I love about God working in your life. That's in here. And when we have tough days, and we all have tough days, they happen. Uh, When there's a death that I can't explain, I don't understand how this life was taken from us in this place. I don't get it. I go to this place. When uh, when we go to this... uh, uh, you know, situations that occur, hurts that happen. I go back to these places, these notes where people just allowed the Spirit of God to use them and wrote down words of life into my life. And I've said, okay, I can keep going. I can keep doing this. It makes sense. I want to be about this. this. These are words of life and they're written down. And I want to encourage you to practice that as well. Uh, texting is great. Emailing, that's fine. But handwritten, I don't know, there's just something about taking the time to write something special that's not just a surface kind of thing, but something that dives in deep and says, I love this about your soul. I love this that Jesus did in your life. I've, I've practiced this for 21 years too. I, I hope that what I have produced is 100 times this uh, because I try. And it's just a note that I send out just saying, I love you. I love what happened in your life. I love that God did this. I I love this about you. Words of life are powerful, powerful things. And when you have them after the fact and you can go back to them, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Continuing on, there's another piece of words, and it's physical. And I, I love this part of it that we often overlook. Because God could have stopped with, I, okay, not only did I speak it, but I also wrote it down for you. Can't that be enough? No. Physical presence is the way, is the way that he communicates his divine reason. The Lagos. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. By the way, that the, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The idea is tabernacled. That's actually the word that's used there. It's tabernacled. It takes our brain to this Old Testament tabernacle where the very presence of God is there. Jesus came and the presence of God dwelt among us. He is there. And we could de- dive deep into that for months and months and probably never uh, get to the bottom of it. It's such a rich phrase But Jesus 
brings heaven here. The kingdom of God is here with Jesus and he's extending it to his church and we get to experience this beautiful thing that is the kingdom of God, the reign of God in our lives. And it's something that the world, they, 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 can't, uh, they can't imitate. It's just, it's impossible. Like I, I, I talk about this from time to time. You know, the, the church, uh, the, the big church, you know, big C church, universal church, we produce some pretty great things. Produce some wonderful music. There are some really great speakers. There are some incredible buildings. The world does all those things. Sometimes they even do it better. That's true. What they can't produce is unity in Christ. What they can't produce is this sort of uh, heaven on earth, this experience of heaven right now, this experience of God, this clean place that God has created for us to live where we can go before God and we don't have to sacrifice a bunch of animals. We just confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I just wonder if maybe God is working in our hearts to do that to our community. See, I, I think that, that really God knows best and that this really is his story. And I think that it is like God is not surprised that houses are springing out like a hundred yards right out that back door. He's not surprised by that. And I wonder if there are communities that are growing up around us that are saying, what is going on in this world? I just feel darkness. I, I, I don't know what to do in this place. And I feel like I'm just being drowned by voices. And I just wonder if maybe the church, if we can just reach out with that love, that speaking life in a very real and practical way will be transformative in power and redemptive in nature and reflect the very presence of Christ here in Shakopee. I just wonder. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. So what am I saying? <clears throat> I'm saying speak, write, live words of life. To be purposeful this week that your words communicate life. That they answer questions of darkness and chaos and respond in love. That we would write a word of encouragement, words of life that go beyond the surface and go down into the heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But when we write it out, people see it and are able to respond in different ways and that we would live it. You know, there's probably nothing worse uh, in terms of a testimony of a group of people than when that group of people is not living the Christ life. That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. In fact, it's assumed we're not. Like, I'm going to mess up, you're going to mess up, and then what? I hope we seek Christ together. I hope that as we seek Christ, he restores us, he reconciles us, and puts us in places uh, of love and, and experiencing that love with others. I, I, think, I think that's true. How is that going to look? I have a friend right now who he he went to a church. He's a family pastor in Texas. He went to the church and um, everything looked good on the outside, 
but uh, he didn't investigate as much as he thought because he took everybody face value. Makes sense. You said that. I believe you. Why would I not believe you? Except for the church had changed its name multiple times because of the testimony that that church had in the community. The reason that they had a bad testimony in the community is that the pastor was living a double life. It involved alcoholism, and it's involved sexual immorality. And he's been very flagrant about it. And the community looks at it and goes, I don't know. I don't want that. Like, if that's church, I'm out. I'm out. Our, our lifestyle, the physical word being manifest and lived out in our world is necessary, has to happen. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask this question. How does God want us to speak life? And I said it generally and encompassing all of us, but I really mean it individually. So how does God want me to speak life? How does God want you to speak life? What is your next step of faith? What is my next step of faith? And I want to encourage you, I want to just give a quiet moment for you to write down, maybe that is just, I need to change the way I speak. Or maybe it's, I'm, I really have never trusted Jesus to transform me like that. And I, I need, I, like, tell me about salvation. What is that? Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe it's, you know what, I, I feel like my words are good, but I want to commit to writing notes of of encouragement, notes of life to people. Or maybe it's, I need to step into a leadership role where I can extend life to others who are in the darkness. I want to give you just a few moments to address that. Maybe you can write it down on, uh, uh, on a piece of paper or on a note, or maybe just engrave it in your mind. But take just a moment to ask God that question, and then I'm going to close us in prayer as the worship team comes out. Jesus, we love you, and thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you came in the flesh. It wasn't just with words that you spoke to us. It wasn't just writing those words down. It was also living it out. And so, Lord, here we are. We want to speak life. And so, Father, just like we started with our palms up, We offer to you now anything that you would take and we receive anything that you have to give us, Lord. Not for our sake, but for your good glory because this is your history, your story, and we thank you that we can live with you in it. And it's in Jesus' name.